Good morning. We are looking at the life and ministry of Jesus the Messiah, and we're going to do it in an imperfect chronological order. We've taken a look at the fact that he existed before he was born, that he was God, that he came to earth as a human and fully God. We took a look last time at his birth, and today we're going to take a look at what's usually called a part of the Christmas story, but I've separated it out because there is a passing of time. The sad thing in this quote-unquote Christmas story is that people are more familiar with the tradition than the scriptures. I'll give you some examples. In the nativity scene, we always see what we call the wise men there at the stable. We're going to see in this passage that's not the case. We've, there's a, even a hymn called, We Three Kings of Orient Are, and we've always assumed that there are three people who show up to present Jesus' worship and gifts it never tells us how many people are there. It tells us that there were three types of gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but doesn't tell us how many showed up. We do know there's at least more than one because the plural form is there, so it's got to be at least two. It could be two, could be 77. We don't know. And so, but we get this idea of tradition and those types of things. And it's, it's typical, but kind of sad, that we gravitate oftentimes more to the tradition than to the story. We're going to take a look at the beginning again of the story. And it's going to be interesting that there's going to be a couple of references, if you will, to what's kind of the presumed end of the story. And I'll let you know when we see that. And so in Matthew chapter 2, it's going to talk about a couple major, there, there's a, three responses, uh, but we're going to concentrate on two of the responses of the Messiah's birth. As we're going through these responses, the unasked question that I'm going to ask now, what's your response? And so in Matthew chapter 2, it says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Now my translation says Magi. Your translation may say wise men. Um, Magi is the, kind of the actual word. Uh, the translation is wise men in the sense of these Magi were people who were a part of a kind of like a caste system that were educated men. They were educated in astronomy and astrology and natural sciences. And usually if you needed to know something, like we would, if you, when we looked at the book of Daniel, the Chaldeans would be those wise men that the king would say, I have a problem, give me your advice. And that's kind of where these uh, magi wise men come from. The, the English version of magi we get our word magic. So they kind of had these 
special deceptive powers. I'm reluctant to call them wise men. They were educated people. And oftentimes, educated people aren't that wise. They just know a lot. However, in this instance, they seem to be wise because they put a few things together, some astrological aspects to probably what was written by Daniel about a Messiah coming, and they put those together and decided not only did they have education but wisdom, and we'll see why I would then call them wise. And so they came arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, you can kind of understand where they would go to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was the capital city of Israel or Judea. And so you're going to assume if a king is born that he's going to be in the capital city. So they show up in Jerusalem and want to know where this Messiah, this King of the Jews is. Now I want to stop there. They've come to worship the King of the Jews. Beginning of the story, the presumed end of the story, this same child, while crucified, has a sign above his head that says, King of the Jews. Beginning of the story, presumed end of the story. For he saw a st- we saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. You would think this would be a time of rejoicing. Scriptures have been prophesying that a Messiah would come. A Savior was prophesied as far back as the garden. A Messiah, a king that would be on the throne of David forever and ever, was given to David and Solomon and to others. And so you think there would be this expectation and joy that the Messiah was coming. But instead, they're troubled. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now, Herod... was called Herod the Great. And he did a lot of great things. He revitalized the temple, made it beautiful. He built aqueducts and buildings and did a lot of building programs that made uh, the temple temple and Jerusalem and the surrounding areas beautiful and, and, and usable. Herod was an Edomian. That probably means nothing to you. Who he was was he was a descendant of Edom, Esau. But his father and others in that area, even though they were Edomites, converted to Judaism. So in essence, Herod, not being a natural-born Jew, adopted the religious practices and thoughts of the Jews. However, he was more interested in power. And he would go and and pick the side in Rome, whoever was winning, and be on that side so that Rome was the one who appointed him king over Judea. And Rome generally liked the fact because he was a good lapdog of Rome. 
but he was always interested in his power. Herod was so much more interested in his power that toward his last days, he killed even some of his own children because he was concerned that they might take his power. Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So they searched the scriptures. Interesting that they searched the scriptures. Again, so many people will search the scriptures for information, but not the change of heart. So he, they search and they find out that it is in Bethlehem that the Messiah will be born. Then Herod, in verse 7, secretly called the Magi, or the wise men, and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. Now, we're going to see later that he just ball-faced lying. He had no intention of worshiping this Messiah. But if he were truly going to worship the Messiah, why wait? Because Herod is not unlike most of us. When we come to understand that the Messiah has come and that we have a need for a Savior, oftentimes our response is, not today, later. Let me live my life today, and I'll come to the Savior later. Because he's going to interrupt my life and what I want to do with my life. So I will come and worship him later. And after hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. Now, I've read and I've seen programs, and I think it's always interesting. People are trying to describe this star. And some will say, this star can't be a star because stars don't move, so it had to be a comet. I'll go, okay, I'll play your game. It's a comet. But comets don't stop and rest. Comets keep moving. So it, it can't be a star, and it can't be a comet. Let me get in, let you in on a little secret. If the scripture says it was a star, it was a star. Because the God who placed that star in the universe can move that star to any place he wants it to be and stop it any place that he wants it to be. The question is, how big is your God? My God's big enough to tell stars what to do. And that's what he did to help these wise men, these magi, to find the Christ. And it stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. 
And after coming into the stable, not what it says, after coming into the house. So you see the nativity scene isn't accurate. So you can do with your nativity scene, well, no, we didn't do one this year, but usually what I do, and it kind of irritates my family, we, we put the nativity set up, then I take the wise men, and I put them somewhere else. Because they weren't there that night. The shepherds were. The magi, the wise men, come later into the house in Bethlehem. And they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Now, this is why I would say they're wise, because he's not just the king of the Jews. If he were just a king, yeah, you might fall to the ground and pay respects and homage to a king, but you would not worship him. But they worship the child. Again, a child who has done nothing for them. Incense and myrrh. Three types of gifts. Gold, which even today has great value. People want to make necklaces and chains and rings and all kinds of stuff. We find gold to be even of great value today. You can use it to buy things. You can use it to trade for things. Gold has always had, for some reason, this view of value, even though it's probably not that great of a metal as far as when it comes to doing things, because it's very soft and all those but it had great value, and so their treasures they open and give him gold. They also give him frankincense. Frankincense is used in a number of areas. Frankincense was used to uh, in the temple with a, a mixture of, of myrrh and other things to create the smoke that would fill the temple in the prayers of the saints and those types of things. So it was used in religious offerings. And it's today used by many uh, traditional orthodox types of religions to use frankincense. It also has medicinal value. For those of you ladies especially who are all involved in the essential oils and all that, you can use frankincense for medicinal purposes. You can rub it on your feet and do different things. And it has different um, health benefits. Same way with myrrh. Myrrh is used to create incense in worship and religious services. It also is used for medicinal purposes. This also appears in an earlier story and in the presumed end of this story. For you see, when Joseph was going to be killed by his brothers, they decided instead of killing him, that what prophet was there and that, let's sell him. And they saw a bunch of Ishmaelite traders who were going to Egypt to trade. They were trading myrrh. And they took Joseph with them and sold him into bondage in Egypt when they were trading for myrrh. 
Myrrh is also used towards the end of the presumed end of this story. For when they buried Jesus temporarily because they were, didn't have enough time to properly bury the body, Joseph of Arimathea was going to use, let them use his tomb. And Nicodemus brought about 100 pounds of aloes and myrrh and other items to place upon the potty because they didn't embalm the way we do. And bodies, when they decompose, stink. So you put all of this fragrant aroma items so that they come back properly dress the body. But frankincense and myrrh was used also by the wealthy, not just in religious and not just in uh, medicinal purposes. They would take the bark from the tree that they got the resin from for frankincense and burn it to ash and they would use it as eyeliner, an eye highlighter. So it had great economic value. So they brought things of great value to present to the Messiah. Having determined that Jesus is the Messiah, what do we bring to him? And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Herod's response is not going to be to come to worship the child, but to get rid of a political adversary. He's going to seek to destroy the child. So the angel tells Joseph to take Mary and, and Jesus and head on to Egypt. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. Notice Joseph, as soon as he's warned, takes action. It's not like Herod. I'll get up in the morning when it's better. Nighttime travel is difficult, but he takes the warning seriously. And after all, he has been appointed by God to care for Mary and for Jesus. So he takes the warning seriously and gets up and goes immediately. So he left for Egypt, and he remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what was spoken of by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, and he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem, all in its vicinity from two years old and under according to the time which he had been determined from the Magi. And then I'll continue reading. 
Then what had been spoken of through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. When I read this, it disturbs me. It's consistent with Herod. Herod killed his own children, so why would he care about some other babies and toddlers to get rid of a potential adversary? But he had been converted to Judaism. You would think, number one, that he would take seriously the Scriptures and the coming of the Messiah, but his efforts was to stop him. Why it disturbs me is I go, Lord, why didn't you just take out Herod? Makes sense to me. Why wouldn't you just kill Herod and to save the children? We're going to see later, taking out Herod wouldn't necessarily have solved the problem. I don't blame God for the death of the children. I blame Herod and the people who followed his orders. Remember way back in Exodus, Pharaoh gave orders to kill all the male children to the maidservants, and they refused. They came up with an excuse, well, you know, the, 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 the women of, of the Hebrews are so strong, they just give birth before we're able to get there. But they refused to t- follow the orders. These men followed Herod's orders. And I blame them and Herod and not God. But it does tell me one thing. God's people oftentimes suffer. They oftentimes suffer not because of any fault of their own. So you'll hear people say, if you just have enough faith, everything will go well. You will have the abundant life. We have the abundant life even if the circumstances is terrible. Circumstances do not determine our closeness or approval with God. Sometimes we suffer because of evil, and sometimes we suffer to glorify God. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. You see, that's why just taking out Herod would not have solved the problem, because then he'd have to take out Herod and his son and everybody else who wanted power because the Messiah was here. The sad thing is, if they understood the Scriptures and just read more than he was going to be born in Bethlehem. They would have understood that he came as Messiah the first time as a suffering servant. He was no threat to the economic and political powers of the day. They could have left him alone because he was not interested in politics. 
even said, if it were Father Will, he could call myriads of angels to his rescue, but did not. Then after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee. If you notice, God is consistent with Joseph. An angel actually appears to Mary. If you'll see in other places like in Daniel, an angel actually appears to the Daniel and the others and give them instruction. Every time an angel appears to Joseph, it's always in a dream. Because God doesn't use the same method for all people. But he's consistent with Joseph to say, in a dream the angel appears and gives him instruction. The angel appears in a dream and gives him instruction. And each and every time Joseph obeys the instruction. So he left for the regions of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth. Now, if you remember the beginning of the story, that's where Joseph and Mary are originally from, Nazareth. So they're going to go back home. Now, Jesus in his adult ministry does not use Nazareth as his home. He has an adopted home of Capernaum. I would think one of the last places Joseph would really want to go back would be to Nazareth. Because I'm sure that there's still people talking about how Mary got pregnant and how they left and were gone for a few years. But talk still is there. But Nazareth was a place that Joseph was familiar with. But also Nazareth is a place that it says, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, he shall be called a Nazarene. And so he's from Nazareth, he shall be called a Nazarene, which is interesting when we kind of think of a Nazarene, we think of a person who doesn't cut their hair, doesn't drink alcohol, does all those types of things. Now, in all the pictures, again, of tradition, you will see a picture of Jesus, and he has long hair. Maybe, maybe not. But we see, in the, at least at the wedding in Cana, he changes water into wine. We see in the Passover, at least the last Passover, how he offers the cup. And so, from the Nazarene position, he probably wasn't one, but he was from Nazareth. So they returned home. So after a number of years, after leaving Nazareth, because they were ordered to go to Bethlehem for the census, because Herod attempted to murder the child, they go to Egypt. And they go back home. The wise men, the magi, worshipped him. 
Herod attempted to murder him. And Joseph, through a dream, protected him. What's our response? If Jesus is the Messiah, and he is, what is your response? Now, I will tell you, I wasn't there. So I would have known at that particular moment whether the child was the Messiah. But my response is, he rose from the dead. That proved he was the Messiah. And since he did that, my response should be no less than the wise men to fall on the ground and worship him. And I may not be able to afford gold and frankincense and myrrh. All the honesty is I have a gold ring. I don't like jewelry, but my wife has various items of jewelry. She even is involved in um, some of the essential oils, and I know she has frankincense. She may have myrrh, I don't know. Didn't look in her all the little vials. So I guess I'm able to afford those things. The least and yet most valuable thing that I can think that I can offer to him is me. All that I am and all that I hope to be and all that he will make me to be. And so my response, and I pray your response is, here I am to worship. Not to oppose you, not to delay and say, later, Lord, when it's more convenient, I'll come and worship. But as soon as I'm aware of who you are, I worship. And all God's people said. You stepped out into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made my heart adore you.
says the following shout joyfully to the lord all the earth serve the lord with gladness come before him with joyful singing know that the lord himself is god it is he who has made us and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his pasture enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him bless his name for the lord is good his loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. 
because of who I am, but because of what you've done, not because of what I've done, but because of who you are.
Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, chase your heart above all else. Make a name the world remembers. And all an empty world can sell is empty dreams. I got lost in the light, but it was up to me to make a name the world This is the only thing to remember. This is the only name. 